This is the one with a random Sasquatch. First person fencing. A pair of fembots. And a parent trap. It's called the Androids of Tara. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalent, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Some Tarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to another fantabulous episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Correct Mundo, old buddy, old pal. <laughs> Once again, we are recording remotely, and thus I am currently privileged to be staring at a Skype screen featuring none other than... It's me, it's Jim. That's right, it's you, it's Jim. Hello, Jim. And I'm Leon. Hello. Today, we are going to be talking about the 101st classic Who, Doctor Who serial, in fact, namely the androids of Tara. Oh, those androids on that planet there, Tara. (laughs) 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 What are we thinking? Big theme, enjoyment level? Uh, Well, I think this has already been established before pressing record. I enjoyed the crap out of this one. I loved it. I've given it a tentative initial rating of 12.8 podcast land, and I've challenged Jim to to convince me otherwise. Challenge accepted. Marvellous. How about yourself? Although not too happily, because I enjoyed this too. Oh, good. (laughs) Beat you down too much. (laughs) Okay. So as we have both expressed our enthusiasm for this serial, how about we jump into a bite-sized chunk of who, so that we can summarise this for podcast land and then get into the meat of this story. Oh yes, let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? The fourth Doctor and Romana one head to the planet Tara to collect the fourth segment of the key to time. No problemo, says Romana, and casually picks it up while Doc lets a gadget do his fishing for him. And then a Sasquatch we'll never see again suddenly lumbers towards her, fueled by a thirst for hugs and blood. Fortunately, she's rescued by Count Grendel. Unfortunately, he's a power-hungry Yago-inspired asshat. Grendel mistakes her for an android lookalike of the princess he's already keeping locked up in his dungeon, and steals Romana away, and the key segment along with her. Meanwhile, the Doctor is apprehended by Prince Reinhardt's men, and embroiled in a plot involving android doppelgangers, at least two bids for the throne, and a heck of a lot of swashbuckling. Please go over. You are, you are welcome. welcome. Before we jump into this, can I just point something out? Uh, and, and it's possible that you stumbled across the exact same thing. When looking for trivia about this story, The Androids of Tara, I stumbled across Tara the Android. Oh, okay. Who has her own Facebook page. It is someone who has made a mannequin, called it Tara, <laughs> like robotized it. <laughs> And is slowly but surely turning it into a Terminator. I'm sort of glad you went up, ended that with Terminator. I was expecting Sexbot. I mean, I'm assuming he's boning it, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did not discover this. (laughs) Okay. I'd also like to point out that there is actually, in fact, already a monarchical take on the parent trap trope called the Princess Switch, which this very easily could have been. Oh. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Enough hijacking on my part. 
where would you like to start? Well, maybe we could start there. I mean, we obviously need to give a bit of grounding around this at some point, but the fact that there is a Romana, a doppelganger, yep. and an android of each. Yes, do, that's right. Do we like this? Do we like the fact that there is a, a Romana doppelganger? Yeah, I don't mind there being a doppelganger at all. I didn't quite understand why... Okay. <laughs> Are you familiar with The Prisoner of Zender? No. So apparently this is inspired by something called The Prisoner of Zender. I had to look this up. It's this famous swashbuckling adventure story about, I believe it's a, there is going to be a coronation. The prince is nowhere to be found. And an Englishman happens to be traveling through the neighborhood at exactly that point in time or through the land. And he looks exactly like the prince and is made to impersonate the prince in order to go and attend the coronation. And that's what it's based on. In fact, this was at one point going to be called to the androids of Zenda. But there you have lookalikes. And as you asked, how do I feel about there being doppelgangers? I don't mind there being doppelgangers. There are doppelgangers in the world. There are clearly doppelgangers in this world. It's not super strange to them to find someone else who looks exactly like the princess. But I don't get why you would assume that there is also a robot doppelganger. As in when Romana is first captured by Grendel. Yeah. They, they operate under the assumption that she's an android. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I was about that. I guess... The context of this episode is that there's a legitimate heir to the throne in the prince, Prince Reinhardt. Yeah. There is a usurper to the throne in the guise of Count Grendel. Correct. And as best as I can understand, they use androids to spy on each other as assassins, subterfuge. But we never get to see that. Right, know, so we I never get to see that. Well, we we do, but it's all instigated like around the 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 setup that's happened because Doc and Romana are there. I don't know if I guess no, because Grendel is building a princess android. His, oh, is his, he? His original plan is, but given the effort that he has gone to to build that android, I don't understand why he just oh, assumes yeah. Romana is. I suppose like what would be Prince's motivation for for making an android princess, and why would she just be wandering around? in the middle of nowhere, attack, uh, being attacked by a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, this raises a few flags. When that scene came up in the beginning, my assumption was, oh, we are in a world where there are just androids all over the place. And it, it wouldn't be too strange to find one that looks very much like the princess. Before we even find out that she looks like the princess, I just assumed, okay, well, he thinks she is an android. That must mean there are androids everywhere. If you stumble upon one, can't be that weird, right? But... Yeah, anyway, I, I guess this is sort of digressing from your question, though. The, the fact that there's a doppelganger kind of princess, parent trap, princess switch kind of thing going on, I don't mind it at all. I quite like it. Okay. I think, strangely, I buy the Android stuff. I don't think it's dealt with as best it could be in this mm -hmm. serial. I, I liked the idea that they're using Androids to impersonate and assassinate, but the fact that someone can just wander in, and obviously, because it's a doppelganger, they use the same actress. Mary yeah. Town plays Princess and Romana. And the two Androids. And the two Androids, obviously, yeah. Yeah. But the fact, yeah, they are absolutely identical. I don't know. It just pushed me a bit too far in <laughs> being able to believe it. Especially when, well, we don't know 100%, but it's very unlikely the Taran people, the people of Tara, are in any way related genetically to Time Lords. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. They just happen to look exactly like Time Lords or like humans, the way that Time Lords accidentally just happen to look exactly like humans. Yeah, which, I don't know. They discover that she's not of their species yeah. at one point. Which well, is there are numerous occasions when she says, I'm not from around here, I'm not Terran, I want to go to my world. <laughs> the Doctor <laughs> uses the word humans, 
and you know no one seems to mind but have they ever traveled off world do they know anything about other species i don't think there's anything to say they have i don't know if we have any information enough to say one way or another but okay given i don't know they're they're a weird race of people aren't they they have a kind of feudal medieval thing the outfit yeah. i couldn't really place like some of them looked sort of turkish Mongoly, yeah with the, I don't know. the pointy hats you mean yeah yeah and then a lot, a lot of the other stuff just seemed more sort of Central European, medieval. Oh, absolutely. Like almost Germanic or... Yeah, so you have this medieval Maybe. culture. They live in castles. They ride horses. <laughs> Although they don't seem to understand what horses are. I yeah. don't know. They have one <laughs> horse. They have, it's literally a one-horse town. <laughs> <laughs> that horse, by the way, it was named Winston. Aww, yeah, the the director explains in the audio commentary on the DVD, which I have not listened to, that the horse was played by a one-eyed horse called Winston. Aww, yeah. one-eyed. <laughs> yeah, one-eyed horse. Yeah, so medieval society and a lot of medieval tech, but then alongside that, lots of, like, fairly modern 1979 kind of tech. <laughs> Well, and then lots of futuristic tech. Oh, and androids, yeah, you're right. Or, oh, you're right, know, they're yes. Not, they're not lasers, they're described as electronic bullets, I think, is what the doctor said. <laughs> oh, badass. <laughs> but then, I mean, you have the fembot that shoots some sort of purple laser out of her midriff. Oh, yeah, no, that is definitely a laser, you're right. And the swords are... Electric. Fuck no, electric. Are they just electric as well? I think so. Yeah, so there's a weird mishmash. I, the other thing, um, staying on this topic briefly, but a slight tangent, when yeah, we get it. to see Lamia, I think her name is, the, the surgeon slash engineer oh, yeah. person, she has effectively a laboratory. This is where we get to see probably the, the 79 tech that you were referencing. There are big machines with tape spools spools <laughs> and stuff like that. Which I love. But it's it's underneath, like that particular thing is underneath an archway that looks like it's straight out of ancient Egypt or... Oh, or, I missed uh, that. I didn't notice Greece. that. Yeah. It's like a, it looks very ancient kind of style. Oh. Out, out of the medieval period again. So I'm not quite sure if they just, this is a budget thing and it's just like, well, what can we uh, shove in this room to look interesting? Or if it's an intentional weird playing with this this race of people discovered things at different points. They Maybe they have a aesthetic. They like crossbows. So they, they made their electronic bullet things like look like crossbows. I don't know. I quite like it. It checks the same boxes that Peladon checked. The monster of Peladon and the, what's it called? The Not the beast of Peladon or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Where not just the architecture, the clothing, but actually sort of the political system that their entire society is founded on is so anachronistic when viewed next to some of the tech that they possess and some of the insights that they have into the universe. So, yeah, I like that. I think that's a really, really neat thing. I don't know yeah, if we I, ever I, get that in you. I'm not sure if we do, actually. I think maybe you're right. This, I mean, you, you've given one example. This is not, I think, entirely unique in classic where they, they merge the idea of old and new. Sure. Um, but I, I was definitely on board for it. I think it's just something that if you let sit in your brain a little bit afterwards, you just have a lot of questions. But I totally enjoyed it. I loved seeing uh, crossbows firing what looked like kind of laser bolts, yeah. you know. Even if the people wielding them are terrible shots. <laughs> As always. Yeah. It also seemed like the doc might have been here before, by the way. I'm basing that only on the fact that in the beginning, when Romana is picking out her outfit, she goes to the wardrobe, and there are not that many articles of clothing there, but she goes through them, and they're alphabetically sorted, and there's Tahiti, Tally Ho, and Tara. 
Yes. Like there's an outfit true. already ready for it. Yeah. Do you think that's what it is then? I, I couldn't make, decide what to make out from that, that this is just a random mishmash of stuff he's prepared for, or, or you think it's things he's grabbed from previous visits? I suppose maybe, okay, no, you're right. I suppose it doesn't prove that he's been there before, but he certainly is prepared for it. It's, it's as though at some point he just, or maybe every TARDIS comes with a wardrobe already equipped for any <laughs> conceivable place and time. This is Doc Brown in Back to the Future with his, oh. his case full of money from all the different time periods. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think what was interesting, though, is that her outfit didn't seem to blend in. I don't know if, if you would agree with this. Like, most people weren't wearing the kind of thing that she was wearing. Like, it wasn't a million miles away, but it, it didn't quite fit. I suppose so. I mean, she says, when, when she picks it out, she says, uh, I hear this is what everyone on Tara is wearing right now. And then you're right, we don't see anyone else wearing that. But except for the surgeon slash engineer, Romana is the only, or rather, sorry, the princess is the only other woman we see. Oh, that's true. And everyone else, with the exception, I guess, of the the priest or whatever he is, is pretty much just a soldier so they're wearing a uniform they're all wearing the exact same outfit you know yeah we got i guess we have got a few other examples but you're right in pointing out that she's the only other woman um because we we have the the weird eagle oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) true you know i could quite happily have this serial without that character existing i don't know what (laughs) what that brought to it and we i guess there is a courtroom full of people waiting for the that's true yes but they're they're all in their regalia and i'm not not actually sure if there were any women in that if they were i didn't really i notice. didn't notice yeah it was, it was just a crowd i didn't really you know notice one way or another who was who was in there but no i guess i guess that's a fair point we can't say really with certainty whether it's a an accurate outfit to wear for this particular planet and this particular time period mary tam herself designed it oh i saw that yeah i, I didn't quite understand the reasoning like they something about the, the original outfit didn't work or the original outfit was made in quote very itchy tweed Uh She just went, no, I don't want to wear that. I'm going to wear something different. And then she designed this, which I like. When I googled various images from this episode, I found quite a few people who have cosplayed as Romana in this outfit. Oh, that outfit. I wondered if... um... Because she, she, when she later, right, right at the end of the, the story, impersonates the princess to get married. Mm. I thought that, that was quite a cool outfit. You know, yeah, that's true. Her and the king's actually their, their wedding attire. Well, the king's outfit, nice. or the, I mean, his outfit is literally just the same outfit he's been wearing before, except with a red coat on top. Yeah, it's a nice red coat. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> red coat. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about the two individuals vying for the throne? Prince Reinhardt and Count Grendel. I I think of previously I can't I can't think of the exact episodes immediately, but this has happened before where we get the two camps of yeah. storyline. If if they're not exact opposing forces, they're at least you know um, they have similar ambitions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is is the Time Warrior one? I forget. But anyway, we. I think so. Yeah, you're right. A Time Warrior is another one where even though it's not the indigenous tech, by the way. Sorry, I just cut you off there, but. But that's another one where you get that 1970s tech in a medieval setting. You're right, actually. In fact, that one plays with it quite a bit. Because yeah, that's true. The time the uh, the Santaran gives gives them weaponry that isn't of that era, but isn't of his era. Yeah, and you get that fantastic robot knight that's just swinging your sword back and forth. Oh yeah, <laughs> the best. Oh, wow. Anyway, sorry, I, I just cut you off there. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think in previous serials, I've I've not been like quite on board. It 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 turns into a bit of a kind of stale, almost 
forced war where everyone's everyone's just like on the brink of something and then the doc turns up and it just magically this is this is the key linchpin moment and you know they start going off at each other and there are normally too many characters you don't really side with one or or the other there aren't too many characters in this one i think no so i i actually found this quite a refreshing one i think i strangely warmed to the count like not in a yeah i liked in a he was the actor was brilliant i thought he's fantastic yeah peter jeffrey peter jeffrey eh Sorry, jumping in with just a little bit of trivia about Peter Jeffrey. He appeared in two Doctor Who stories. He was in The Macra Terror, and in this one, obviously. But he was once considered for the role of the second Doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. He has a look about him where, actually, I could picture him as the master. Oh, absolutely. Do you mean because of the the facial hair as well? And the massive chin? Yeah, facial hair, probably. But I've actually just... uh, His Wikipedia entry has him in... Oh, that that other show you always reference, Adam Adam Ant Lives. He's looking very suave in that, and he's almost oh, marvelous, a, a, almost a Bond Doctor Who that could have been there. Anyway, oh, yeah. that's cool. He's very. I think immediately then, because he is along with Lamia, he's like the only real thing from from his side. Yeah, that's like, true. Him and, him and Lamia, and then just a load of guards and the weird eagle character. So there's not a lot to get confused about there. Him and Lamia work quite well together, so that side is interesting. And I think actually on the, the good side, in quotes, yeah. Know, um, <laughs> who do we have? We've got... So we got We've got the prince, himself, yeah, who was a bit weird to start with, but actually really liked his playing an android, definitely, and I liked him and Romana later on in prison. Like, yeah, he, he was yeah. he was an easy character to like. Um, but yeah, he he did an incredible. Um, I'm a android that's either completely off or just not responding to stuff. Stiff in a chair with my legs out. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and his his swordsmaster and swordsman, Sadek and Farah. Is Farah the guy who just wants to apply violence to everything? Yeah, he's he's a swordsman by name and a swordsman by nature, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> I thought he was hilarious. Just like every problem to him can be solved by attacking it. <laughs> yep. I really enjoyed that. And why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think think he's he's slightly underdeveloped. I think Zadek was quite Is Zadek the too. slightly older, slightly wiser character? Yeah, he's he's like uh, captain of the guards or something like that. Yeah, he's he's your Yoda, your Mr. Miyagi. Yes, exactly. Your, your wise sensei, but also a bit hands-on as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, agreed. To me, by the way, there's no need for quotes around the good. I, I feel like the the prince, Prince Reinhardt, was incredibly goody goody. He was just the purest of hearts. I mean, his name is Reinhardt, for God's sake. He's he's so <laughs> pure. He's so good. He's so kind. He just wants what is rightfully his, and largely like, and and he's happy to sacrifice himself just to save other people, or specifically the princess. He even wants the wants Romana to go and. Save herself and and leave him behind. So he's yeah. he's so goody goody. In his camp, however, I I never really warmed to him. I only found Farah to be truly entertaining, and that was because he's a caricature of a man. He's just like the worst soldier there ever was. But in Grendel's court, holy moly, did I enjoy myself. Count Grendel, who thinks that he is the most handsome and debonair and charming individual, <laughs> even though he looks like David Brent fucked Gerard Depardieu backstage at a Frank Zappa gig. That guy is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the character of Yago portrayed by Tony Robinson. He is 
like just stumbling through being a maniacal and I love it. I love every little part of it. And then I don't really understand the relationship that he has with, I can't remember her name now, but uh, the the surgeon, the engineer. Lamia. Lamia. So those two had yeah. a thing at some point. Or at the think? very least, like a drunken night. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up that there had definitely been something. There's a very explicit scene, not not explicit, explicit, uh, ex- expose scene with Romana and Lamia where it's a soft spot for Grendel. And then yeah. there's a scene shortly afterwards where Grendel basically says, what would I do without you? And Lamia's like, well, probably find some other... Yeah, and he um, kisses her and goes like, yeah, but Matt, you, you give me so much pleasure. Yeah. I think that's the setup, isn't it? Like, they probably... Yeah, I guess you're right. There probably has been something there, but he's, he's never that bothered because he doesn't see anyone as important other than himself so he would throw her away and get someone else in just on the help you know drop of a hat yeah exactly however whom would he find who knows something else about androids and i think in a way this sort of exposes how their society is built because it seems as though working with androids in fact it's referred to once as a peasant skill yeah. It's almost like being a mechanic to these, you know, the the gentlemen of the court who would never get their hands dirty. Like, oh, if you work with androids, you're a peasant. But it requires tremendous skill and intelligence and artistry. Yeah. I, see, I took more from that, not what was implied when you were someone who could be an engineer on androids. It was more yeah. implied what the aristocracy thought of themselves and everyone else. Oh, that's true. We we're born into this. We have privilege. We do what the hell we want. We just basically don't do anything other than talk. (laughs) (laughs) Although Count Grendel fights. No, okay, maybe they do a bit of swashbuckling. But yeah, anything manual labory, they're obviously not going to do. And but they pretty much refer to everyone else who isn't like born into some kind of privilege as a peasant. True. Just to round that off, though. So (laughs) Grendel encounters her in by the statue that she's just turned into another key to time segment assumes she is an android takes her home with him to his personal peasant android mechanic who goes when i've served my purpose you can just go out and find another peasant who knows about androids the other side picks up doc goes you recognize my sword as electric do you know stuff about androids why yes i do well come over to my place and repair my android it's as though android mechanics must at least be assumed to be you know ten a penny (laughs) two a penny even yeah, it's a shame. I think that's the big thing that's missing from this story is a real explanation as what androids, what purpose the androids are meant to serve, how common they are, yeah, and who would have them. I mean, they're I common, but also not common enough for the people in the court. When Doc kills the Romana androids, people are shocked to see that she's an android, but they're not so shocked to go like, holy shit, I've never seen an android before, but they were never... Like, no one ever suspected that she was an android. No one ever suspected that the king was an android. No. Yeah. And I think there's a line the doc throws out afterwards where, or someone throws out, where they're almost implying that some of the onlookers might have been androids. Oh, yes, you're right. Like, to beef up the numbers or to hide hide the fact that the, I don't know, the, the population has decreased for some reason. I'm not sure. Oh, Oh, this is more than I, more than I picked up. Maybe, I, maybe I'm reading too much into that. But yeah, there, there was something about the fact that there could have been androids in that crowd, wasn't there? Oh, definitely. Yeah, you're right. There's another Which, thing. That's but, weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, you could have expanded on this world and maybe built in a level of paranoia: who's real, who's an android, that sort of thing. 
before we even encounter Count Grendel, before Romana is assumed to be an android, based solely on the title of this episode and knowing that there are going to be androids in it, when, I can't remember, I think Doc is walking around in the forest, we hear birds chirping. And I made, I specifically made a note to say very robotic bird chirps, because I thought everything's a robot, like everything is an android. You know what? I did the same thing. I Score! It must, I didn't actually make the note, but it must be intentionally done to sound robotic then. I think so. Which, yeah, which is weird because it never becomes a question. It never really is a, ooh, is this person an android? Because, yeah, I I was prepared to accept the entire cast were androids at the end of it. Yeah. I thought, no, we don't. And I was, I was absolutely convinced that when we get to see, um, I've forgotten her name again, Engineer Lady, when we get to see her get shot, I was convinced that we were going to find out that she was a robot. Ah, yeah. I wasn't convinced, but I could see it happening. Ah, That was a really nice effect, actually. I think there was something about, like, she had a pendant on her neck and, like, that dangled around her chest, and then that, like, fizzed as as the laser bolt hit. Oh, I, that, I didn't pick up on those details, but I also remember that being really beautiful, and it's almost like her... I thought it was her clothing that was burning, effectively, but I guess it's that pendant. But well, maybe it was the clothing. I, I think, yeah. It was, it was it, a I, gorgeous I scene, regardless. It's really, yeah, it's the uh, the laser shot equivalent of the, the blood spatter packs, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I that was quibs? a... Uh, uh, squibs, sorry, yeah. Beautiful scene way nicer than the scene that preceded it when they are using the fembot inside of the cabin. Oh, yeah. And way nicer than the scene that comes after where Doc and K-9 are just in that hut and the electric crossbows oh, yeah. are just shooting at them. The sound <laughs> of that was horrible. I was like, everyone <laughs> attack the cabin and they're just shooting electricity at this little, whatever it is, this bungalow. Yeah. Like, why? Storm it, for God's sake. I know. Someone just walked through the door. <laughs> And then we get a really long sequence of canine cutting a hole out. Like twice. That, I feel like we get that twice in this serial. I didn't mind it so much the second time, strangely. I'm not quite sure why. I don't <laughs> it was the doc talking at the time, but the first time round in this in this weird gazebo place. Yeah. Yeah, we literally just sit there watching canine laser a, a meter square hole out of a wall. And I, I think it I think someone fashioned a real laser for canine and they're just like, We're fucking using that. <laughs> not cutting a second. <laughs> don't, don't even think about it, Steve. I'm not having that edited out. It took me a week to make that. We can either make this a five-part serial, or we make it a four-part serial, and we invest in this laser technology. <laughs> <laughs> the BBC had definitely perfected that effect, because otherwise, why would you have it twice? They had also, I feel, perfected the art of comping two clips together, shot from the exact same tripod, or the same, you know, the same camera position, so that you have the same actor appearing in it twice. Because uh, you had yeah. two Romanas next to each other, you had uh, two princes next to each other. Yeah, they were done, they were done well. I think yeah. they... Right, not to use it too often because you start to just kind of go. It would be yeah, way I, too I much. Get it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's probably a, a real head fuck to set it up, but I feel like it's not complicated enough where you are continually blown away by it. Like if you overuse it, people. Well, I know I would just be going. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. We get someone knows how to time this right and set it all up again. Yeah, Great. bring Farah back into the frame <laughs> again so that we can instead see some idiot kill a scarf. Way better. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Scarf attack. 
Yeah, he kills this calf. Do you think it is an intentional thing because the... I can't remember how many serials ago it was that the, the, oh, the scarf yeah. got sewn together with stunt scarf and became longer. Do you think this is an intention to bring it back down to a manageable size? <laughs> Very possible. There are so many the- occasions during the final fight scene, the fencing scene, where the, you see Doc's silhouette just like lobbing the scarf over his shoulder and it flopping back down and him lobbing it back over his shoulder. It's, oh, yeah. This must be cumbersome. This is, what, this is what I was about to say. Is like, oh, sorry. Definitely can start off enough because of that fight scene. <laughs> I mean, we'll get back to that fight scene, I'm yes. sure. Yes, yeah, please. But yeah, that part of it. It's just ridiculous that the Doctor is trying to fence while keeping his scarf on his shoulder. <laughs> Are you going to... You know yeah, go for it, go for it. Um, just, just staying on that, that previous scene around the, the gazebo-y thing. Yeah. I was surprised that I was shocked and slightly upset that Lamia got shot. Yeah, me too. I hadn't realised I had warmed to her. She's not super evil, really. She's doing what the Count wants her to do or tells her to do only because she wants to be close to him. She'd rather be a a slave in his presence than than free in his absence. I mean, she's not not a good person, (laughs) per se. No. um, She occupies that nice grey zone, which uh, a lot of things tend to skip over. Yeah. Yeah, true. They set up her demise nicely, as in... Sorry, they don't set up her demise nicely, but they set up the sacrifice of the character nicely because her death happens pretty much right after she said, hey, if you didn't have me, you'd just go find someone else. And it, there's there's an element of incredibly sexist validation of her, of her, you know, and then boom, she's gone. Yeah, true, actually. I think that does lead to a, in my mind, slightly negative part of the overall plot, that the plan from Count Grendel's side... Makes so no I sense. Actually, I got slightly confused because when they had the prince and the princess, yeah, and they were referring to the prince's first in line to the throne and the princess's second line to the throne. Yeah. I generally thought they were brother and sister. I hadn't. Yes, had me not too. <laughs> on the fact that they're not related, and then so when it comes in later that the, the prince wants to marry, the, uh, sorry, the count wants to marry them <laughs> together. Yeah, and then he goes to the the old dude in the hat who I can't quite remember. Something begin with A. A. Uh, no, the Archimandrite. Archimandrite, that's the thing, yeah. When the Count goes to the Archimandrite with this plan, I was very surprised he didn't turn around and go, but they're brother and sister, we (laughs) can't marry them together. Yeah, there's definitely an element of like, oh, I see, this is an incestuous parent trap, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, so they're not related. I I just missed that, and apparently you did too. (laughs) Um, But then, so the the original plan is that the Count was going to marry the princess, and get the title. So he's going to kill kill the prince before the prince became king, marry the princess, the princess but, would become queen, he'd be consort. Yes, and then kill the queen. And, and then kill the queen. And, but the queen, queen wasn't playing ball, so they had the android to impersonate her right. as princess. So he would marry an android, effectively, and then kill her and become ruler. But he was and going then, to stand in, as in he was the stand-in in case the prince didn't make it to the coronation on time. No princess required. Mm, no, that's very true. <laughs> yes, yeah. you're right. He was he was basically being handed it, wasn't he? Yeah. He even there's that beautiful scene in the beginning, like during the coronation or pre-coronation rather, where he goes like, "Hmm, I think I will refuse the crown twice. Doing it more than so might, you know, it, it risks not being offered it a third time." Yeah, no. One of my initial questions, I had a, a, a list of questions to potentially start us off with, and one of them is, if the count is banking on being crowned king in the prince's absence, why would he need a a stand-in for Princess Strella. And the only answer I can think of is that it's a plan B. It's 
super right though. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you wanted me to talk you down. I feel like you talked yourself down. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm not giving in this a twelve point eight anymore. <laughs> I'll ask you another question then, also from my introductory selection. If Romana and the princess are identical, then why keep both? What did they actually do with Romana? They drug her and they're like, oh, she's going to come in very handy. She's very useful. She looks so much like the princess. Then she comes to and they're like, you're not going to guess what we've done with you. Fucking nothing, man. You built a robot that looks exactly like the person you already had imprisoned. Yeah. I mean, it's sensible not to kill people off because you've got them in your back pocket for later if you need to. Yeah. But you don't need... I mean, sorry, go ahead. I say ultimately it does work because he uses the life of the princess as a bargaining chip to get Romana and the prince slash king to play ball. Yeah, but But you could just use the princess, the real princess, as the model for the android. I mean, this almost presupposes that Romana looks more like the princess than the princess does. Like, she is a better model for the android than the princess is. Maybe there's some... Did they have to take some DNA samples? No, you're right. DNA samples? They're like (laughs) really naff mannequins. (laughs) Maybe the second you see down. that they're actual mannequins, you know it's going to blow up or get stabbed. <laughs> oh, yes. The, <laughs> you're talking about the, the king that when the spear gets thrown at him. That was brilliant. <laughs> that is such a great scene. <laughs> Grendel comes yeah. in waving his white flag, going, oh, truce, truce, <laughs> you know, whatever it is he says. <laughs> I respect the rules. You respect the rules. Blah, blah, blah. Spear straight to the chest of the king robot. <laughs> And then he just runs off and, like, no one stops him. (laughs) Yeah. Look what my white flag was actually tied around. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. Here's his escape. They are literally right steps behind. Yeah. Reach out. (laughs) Galloping away in the distance on a horse. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what we were talking about. I don't don't know why that. (laughs) Totally (laughs) lost it. Oh, yeah, no, maybe it's that they've got some kind of, like, face scanning, 3D scan, and the princess really isn't playing ball, like, she just keeps sticking her tongue out, so the only model they can get from her face is one that's a bit derpy. But they, but like, they no, drug Romana. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> it doesn't work. When Romana woke up, did you think that they had done something to her, like, put a remote control in her, you know, or something to that effect, like, use her, rather than use her to build a new android? To be honest, I think I missed the fact that they said they'd done something. I I thought, because this is shortly after they've just realized she's not an android. I thought it was just like they didn't really know what to do with her, so they just sent them to sleep and then they wake up and they have a new plan. So that, that was my perception of everything. Ah, okay. How do they not realize that she's not an android, by the way? Like, just look inside her mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. The androids we see, apart from the one brief scene where Doc has, has fiddled with the, the king android again, and he's now they're now worried the android might be too smart. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the only time we see an android and it's convincing. That's such a good scene, though. <laughs> it is. That again, though, is like, I expected that to come back. Like, why? I th- think it was Farah, wasn't it? Or, no, Zadok. Zadok, yeah. Who's... Who, like, salutes yeah. him effectively and then goes, oh, damn, I forgot that it's just a piece of plastic. Yeah, he gets full. He gets <laughs> But he's worried. He's worried that the android is being mm. made too intelligent. Like, they're going to get an uprising of androids. Like, where, where does this fear come from? Is, you know, is there a history here? Is it's because there... everyone's a bloody android and we never find out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that what I mean by peasant? Is peasant just android? It may very well be. Because I, I would have really liked that. If there were literally like three people on the planet and they were ruling these android yeah. uh, citizens, you know, <laughs> that, that would have been a lovely twist at the end. Alas, no. Okay, here's another thing that we never get to explore in this serial. When they go underground to the castle, as in when, when Doc, Robot Prince, uh, Farah, and what's his name? Zadik? Zadik. Zadik. When they are in the tunnels, they refer to it as the contaminated city. Because at one point, was it a war or was it an accident? At the very least, there was some sort of fallout. Well, the tunnels they go through, they refer to as the plague tunnels. Oh, the plague tunnels. Oh, right. Yeah, so there was a plague. Okay. I think so. I think they say it's, it was a means that the uh, aristocracy could get around without having to be infected by the citizens, effectively. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, okay. In that case, uh, ignore me, because my note there is, yay, the contaminated city. Are we going to get some mutants? Uh, yeah, again, it's sort of like they half set up something and didn't follow through. Yeah, exactly. Because that, that would play directly into, if they wanted to, half the citizens being androids. It's like They for, died of the plague and they were replaced. Yeah, they were. Maybe they need labor. I don't. I don't know why you would replace your citizens with with androids necessarily, but yeah, you, know, you could you could come up with a reason definitely. Yeah, but it's it's never they're never all pieced together. Like there's there's a half thread dangled there of oh yes, so loads of people probably died. There was a plague. Okay, and people think that androids might be in the population. Okay, but you don't put them together. You don't make a story out of it. Yeah, <laughs> not the most blatant element that is just dangled in front of us and then never explored. Shall we? talk about the horny sasquatch in the room (laughs) (laughs) i do not look like a sasquatch (laughs) chin chin old sponge (laughs) (laughs) clink that set up i felt for shizzle that that dude that sasquatch is going to return towards the end and like drag grendel is just escaped by uh, chucking himself into the water i was certain we're going to see grendel climb ashore and then get attacked by the monster i did not expect that but i would have liked it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's another thing that is just up and the fact that so the key to time yeah it's, that that was the thing I was going to sidetrack onto earlier. Actually, it's it's interesting, but then I think underused. That Romana just wanders off, uses her little key to key to time piece locator. Beep 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 beep. Oh, here it is. It's this like crocodile type thing at the bottom of a statue. Yeah. Tap it on its nose. Oh, I've got my piece of the key to time. Could have been a really short episode. <laughs> Isn't this <laughs> like, what you I, wanted though? It is. It is. And then the adventure starts. So it was kind of it was kind of doing what I was looking for. It's like they're not having to have a massive adventure to get it. Yeah. Of course then it gets taken away from her and his adventure to get it back which i really enjoyed yeah i think i like that they've just they've mixed it up a little bit but then we've just seen the sasquatch which we then at the end of it realize <laughs> never features again uh-huh <laughs> the count also makes reference to the fact that the the statues changed yeah because there's, there's no crocodile some, anymore yeah exactly there's some superstition attached to it or you know he basically says there's going to be some fallout like the the people won't have this nope yeah what never people again <laughs> You're right. He also says th- that is the symbol of my family. Like that's on my crest, presumably. That croc, like we are the crocodile people. Oh really? Oh, I missed that bit. Wow. Never again do we get to see any reference to a crocodile creature. No, because he is he is the Gracht family, isn't he? Yes. Gracht. Can't even get a, a weird crocodile bit out of that name. No. <laughs> no. His his first name though, Grendel. I just think of Beowulf. 
Definitely. Is, is Grendel actually a really common name? I genuinely have no idea. I have only ever heard it in reference to Beowulf. Mm. Yeah, same Grendel here. Grendel is, is like the offspring of the demon lady and Beowulf, is that right? Spoilers for Beowulf, if that's okay. <laughs> he's like some yeah, weird He's the foe, effectively, right? Yeah, exactly. He's the, he's the monster, isn't he? Yeah, but he turns out to be something else. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I won't spoil Beowulf for people. Yeah, I'm by no means a, a Beowulf expert, I'm afraid. Uh, likewise, I, I've seen the weird 3D animation thing. Oh, um, I've not seen that. It's okay. Yeah? It stars yeah. what's-his-face, the um, Cockney... What's his name? I know who you mean. And Angelina Jolie, I think, is the yes, female as lady. Yes, mo- as the mother. As the as yeah. Be- Grendel's mum. Oh, as Grendel's mum. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. It's Grendel's mum, yeah. He's right. He's right, because she is. She's a flip down the... The lift down chippy, you know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I don't know either, but I love it. <laughs> I have a weird note. I, I, I'm just going to talk about it and then maybe we'll decide if it's interesting or not. I don't know. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about the play tunnel stuff. Mm-hmm. So Doc and the Prince Android and Farah and Zadek are trying to go into some... It's, it's basically another castle, isn't it? Where the... It's Grendel's castle, isn't it? No, I thought it was like Tara Castle. Like Grendel, he, he has his own castle. And then there was another... I don't know. Anyway. Oh, okay. They're, they're sneaking into where the coronation is going to take place because Grendel has effectively blocked off every legitimate entrance and this is the least guarded one. They go in, blah, 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 blah. And then they're in these tunnels... And a bunch of guards start shooting at them. It almost felt like, because I think it was towards the end of the episode, it almost felt like it was going to be like the cliffhanger moment. It's like, how do they get out of this? And my note after it is literally, scene missing where Doc and Co. get away from their assailants. Because you actually <laughs> see them, they're in the front <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're all all totally fine like we i think they left far behind with a shield kind of like going you will yes. go like i'll hold them up <laughs> oh then, my goodness no, you're no, right yeah because <laughs> everyone's waiting outside the throne room for the prince to turn up yes the, you're right the, the scene with grendel talking to the yeah uh, h- how are they gonna make it how are they gonna make it open the doors they're already there yeah exactly yeah <laughs> wouldn't that have been so good at that point they're just like they're playing air guitar and high-fiving each other (laughs) what's the role of the archimandrite because he seems like a like a bishop something to that effect i guess i don't know there's not actually much if any mention of religion so it's some kind of ceremonial duty some kind of registrar or i don't know like he has he has an official capacity to obviously make people married and to make people king or queen yeah but making someone king or queen is is quite important and it seems as though he his authority outweighs that of grendel's definitely in that situation i did I don't know. It can't be. I, I hope it's not that important a role. It's, it's more a ceremonial position because he's a fuckwit. <laughs> he really is. And Grendel just straight up tells him that, you know what, you're going to marry those two and then he's going to die and you're going to marry us. <laughs> and the yeah. Archimandrite's just like, all right, I guess I guess I could do that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much top of the chart for uh, the, the condemning him to fuckwittery. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. Oh, the, the king. At this point, it's the king. The king's not very well. And his dying wish is to marry the princess. Oh, okay. And then, oh, and then you're going to marry the princess. Oh. Totally fine. 
T- yeah. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> independently check the health of the king at this point. No, not at all. And this is all happening with zero witnesses, by the way. I mean, sorry, the yeah. only witness is the Archimandrite. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all coming from the Count. Like, yeah, but if, if the Archimandrite, ma- the magic hat guy, if he was. <laughs> Like, Don't you dare diss his hat. I love his rainbow hat. Oh, it's a very nice hat. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm remembering it. Oh, okay, yeah, good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he had any wits about him, he would be going, why are you telling me this? I know the king's obviously unwell. You've told me this. Yeah. But he's going to come up here and get married. How about he tells me he wants to come and get married? No, sorry. No you can know. do, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this dude needs to get fired. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> I don't think he's going to pass his probation, unfortunately. But <laughs> it is really weird, though, because it seems as though all the cards are stacked up in the Archimandrite's favor. But Grendel is acting as though he has all the power. He's like, oh, listen, you're going to do these things. You're just a clerk. You're going to do this. You're going to marry us. And because you are the only witness, presumably you are then going to confirm this to everyone else. And if you don't, I'll kill you. But the thing is, if he kills him, then there are still no witnesses. (laughs) In fact, there are then no witnesses to say he didn't kill the guy who died in his court. Like the, The only person with any authority and the biggest freaking brass balls enabling him to walk out of there unscathed is the Archimandrite. Yeah, yep. Just a shame he's a fuckwit. Yeah. <laughs> Are you referencing the literal thing that the Count does, though? Because before the coronation, the first instance where uh, we've just said, like, suddenly the, the android pops up in the throne room Yeah. and goes, swing. Grendel is chatting with Archmagic Hats. <laughs> And he's replaced all of the court guards with his own. Yeah. Like, the Count just swoops in there and goes, uh, no, you guys aren't good enough to protect this. Which, is, presumably, it's their only duty. Like, they, they are, like, the crown guards or whatever. They are there yeah. to defend the throne room. It's like, no, you're relieved. I'll, I'll deal with this from here. Oh, all right, boss. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I was on break anyway. <laughs> And why are they on a clock, by the way? Why is it like, hey, if you don't put a, uh, if you don't put this gold hat on your head by twelve o'clock, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to give the kingdom to someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And why just expect why? him to show up in the last minute? Couldn't he have shown up like two weeks prior and be surrounded by his guards? <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Yep. All, all good questions. Why, why <laughs> is the situation as it is anyway? Like, has the previous ruler just died? That was my very first, my top introductory question. So, did the last king pass away? Because who was the last king? And was that last king the prince's dad? And if so, does it really matter when he puts on a crown? Is he not already technically the king because he's the heir to the throne? Yeah. What well, is the thing? Is like, it, It's very clearly laid out. This, this prince is first in line to the throne. So I, I think what this means is a hundred percent the prince wants to bone his sis. <laughs> Not sister. <laughs> yeah, his <laughs> my point is he and his uh, lovey Princess Estrella, they're a hundred percent related. A hundred percent. Because if he does not inherit the throne, the next best thing is to have her inherit the throne. And you inherit through blood, right? So they are 100% related. 
She is described as... Right, let's hear it. So I, I found the tra- transcript for this because I, I had to double check that they weren't related because she is, she is talked about very early on. And then it's only later that I was like, whoa, wait, they're not brother and sister? So I went back to find you know what they first say about her. Yeah. She is described as first lady of Tara, a descendant of the royal house, mistress of the domains of Thorvald, Mordgard, and Freya. Yeah, what she does that mean? Tara's most eligible spinster. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, descendant of the royal house? You're right. Like, you know, if he's a descendant of the royal house, she's a descendant of the royal house. They're related. You know, (laughs) best case scenario, he wants to fiddle with his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. This rem- sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but two summers ago at work, there was like the, the, the office summer party and someone brought their partner along and he's, he was a geneticist. Like he genuinely is, he works with genetics and he genuinely studies incest and he spent like oh. a good half an hour trying to convince a, a buddy of mine and me that, you know what, incest totally fine <laughs> like having sex and having having children specifically with cousins at that level no problem whatsoever and he was there with his girlfriend who's a colleague of mine <laughs> this guy is playing the long game he's gone into an academic field solely to justify <laughs> that relationship that he absolutely wants to have with his his cousin you know what colleague of mine if you're listening to this yeah your boyfriend wants to fuck his cousin <laughs> <laughs> anyway where were we sorry <laughs> well that's so wrong I've written down a few really fantastic lines in this episode. How about, would you mind not standing on my chest? My hat's on fire. Oh my god, that was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Must be one of the greatest lines ever uttered by Tom Baker. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is when he first gets accosted by, I I guess it was Farah. It was definitely the swordsman and maybe another guard, isn't it? When he's. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. This is not something we talked about it oh. because it's passed along quite quickly. This is so the reason Romana goes off to get the the key piece at the start is Doc wants a holiday. Doc wants a 50 a short albeit a short holiday, a 50 year holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. His lawful rest, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. Not doing 50 years of fishing, though, he, he wants to clarify. Just a couple of hours of fishing, maybe. But a 50-year holiday, nonetheless. Yeah, which is wonderful. <laughs> like, all the pressure's yeah. off. <laughs> and also, what kind of fishing are you talking about? He has, like, a motorized, you know, electronic fishing rod that does all the work for him. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it seems as though he's gone from, oh shit, the White Guardian has tasked me in in finding the the key to time, all these Horcruxes all across space and time, to, sod it, you do the job, I'm gonna have a snooze. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I liked how it was written. I liked how Tom Bacon performed it. I liked that it nicely set up uh, Romana gets captured and goes over here and Doc gets captured and goes over there thing. Like it was a, a fresh take on that, even though it's basically the same thing. Yeah, it was a good introduction. I liked yeah, it. I agree. A hundred percent. Do you have any uh, more nice lines you want to get up? <laughs> you know what? I'm looking through my notes. I didn't actually write that many lines. I thought I had tons of them. Oh, here's one. Hurry up. A hamster with a blunt pen knife would be quicker. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've got that one noted down. This is K9 cutting through from the from Hole the number two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
in that boat. And I love that scene, by the way, because the camera is in the boat with them. And it's because yeah. the, there's a, definitely a cameraman holding a, a, a holding all the equipment and rocking along with the boat. Like this is there's no stabilizer equipment here. And when the doctor is climbing out of the boat, everything is rocking. It like it's almost like you could get seasick watching this. It's wonderful. I love it. But yeah, sorry. Allegedly in the boat with K9, either in that scene or later on when the doc is just looking at K9 uh, in the boat, the director's son was there. Oh, yeah. Doing what? Holding canine. This is from trivia on, on TARDIS Wiki, I think. Probably TARDIS Wiki. Michael Hayes, that's the director, also recounts on the audio commentary that his 14 year old son, Patrick, was in the rowing boat with K9 to navigate it. Ah. Yeah. So in, in this same scene, actually, we get another good line or series of lines. Oh, which one? Which, well, oh, which ones? I liked it. I think Doc goes goes off into the castle and turns around to K9 and says, like, don't fall in the water. And K9 just, <laughs> in his usual fashion, I am familiar with boats, Master. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> they, like, they give a lot of nice lines to K9, actually. I think just being a, a very, what's, what's the word, like the, the straight man, like just telling things as it is, but they're, they're quite often played for comedy. Yeah. I'm really enjoying K9. I did not think that I would. I think it's interesting how they like to use K9. Because we, we've said before, he quite often comes along as effectively as just like a machine gun. Like, And in this one, I think he mows down four guards in a row. Oh, he does. Yeah. In fact, we get that. We get, I think, something we've never seen before. We see K9 shooting a laser and then not stopping and firing it at someone else, but like just strafing with the same laser. Yeah, and yeah. hitting other soldiers along the way. Just mows them down. Yeah. <laughs> like, knowing K9, they're probably just stunned, but it was quite a vicious attack. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have very fond memories of K9 from when I saw some of these serials as a kid, but my assumption was, as an adult, I will not enjoy it. Like, this is something that is only good for kids. At this point, to be honest with you, I would be okay doing a bonus episode about the various canine spin-offs. Oh, oh, now now you've put something out there. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll certainly watch I think, I think one of them was a failed spin-off attempt and there's just a pilot, so like you could get away with watching an hour of TV and that's the whole spin-off. I think it's, that's an oh, Aussie wait, one. Is that, is that the the CGI canine? More mod yeah, CGI three D thing. Yeah. But, I think I have seen a trailer for that or, or it something. It looks like a and massive pile of horseshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but you're, you're absolutely right that I, I've been surprised by this as well, like how enjoyable K9 is. And I, I think there's just the odd moment. I think it's particularly with the companion where they'll sit with K9 and it becomes it becomes a weird kind of like teachery, I don't know, almost kind of preachery, teachery, weird vibe about it. I don't know, they, they don't seem to know how to write just someone interacting with K9 in a conversational way. Like Doc just has fun with K9 and just shouts abuse at K9 and, you know, that's fine. That all works quite well. But just having a conversation with K9, just, it just turns into like preschool presenter mode type thing. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, the humor in the scenes where the doctor inter interacts with K9 lies in K9 being so incredibly intelligent, so capable that, in fact, K9 is often more intelligent than the doctor. But then the second you have scenes with K9 and a companion, the companion will, like, kiss K9 on the, on the head or pet K9, and K9 will suddenly regress into just a dog. 
Yeah, and that, that's the side of it I don't like. I agree, yeah. And I don't think actually we had any of that in this series, which was good. I can't, I can't recall any, anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. What we do have with staying on K9 is the very Let's start where uh, K9 and Doc are playing chess. Once again, um, K9 and Doc playing chess, which may or may not be you... included in an opening scene of a future audiobook written by someone I know. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But this has the nice spin on it that uh, Romana walks in and just looks at the board and goes, ah, mate in 12. <laughs> K-9 has to correct her slightly and say, uh, mate in 9 at 11, mister. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that's, that's, that is a nice thing we're getting with Romana is she is genuinely a smart cookie. Like, oh, definitely. In, a, most, in most kind of academic, straight intellect situations, She's smarter than the doctor. He's got a lot more experience. He's got a maybe a bit of wisdom and you know ways of manipulating situations with his in- intellect that she's still kind of picking up. But yeah, straight straight intelligence. She she definitely wins. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if that's going to carry on into the into Romana too. Yeah, that would be interesting. Oh, I did find a few more quotes. Oh, go for it. Or rather, I found two more quotes. Uh, one, it, more of a paraphrase actually, is as. Grendel has just picked up, this is still part one, he's just picked up Romana, they're on his one-eyed horse Winston, they're on their way to his castle, and he goes, that's my castle, it's wholly inescapable. (laughs) 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 It's just like, oh yeah, this guy's trustworthy. I mean, you come across so many nice guys who just go, this is where I live, no one can escape this place. And the other one is from part two, when she is now going to be made to not escape and um, still can't remember her name. What's her face? Engineer lady is putting the Tamia, Lamia, 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 Uh, when she's putting the neck restraint on her. I don't know what it's called. You know, the neck cuff. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean? And Grendel goes, not too tight, we don't want to choke her. But the thing is, there's no way of tightening it. It has a fixed circumference, like either it's on or it's not on. Uh, (laughs) Is this when she's on the pre-laid-out bed with a person-shaped cutout on it? No, this is when she's in the cell with the real prince. Uh, And they they chain something to her neck. Yeah, exactly. Except not a manacle, it's a neckle. Oh, I, you know what? I bet there's a good name for it. <laughs> Podcast land, right in. <laughs> Man, nickel. Oh, I like it. Yes. <laughs> the restraints that they use on her prior to the dungeon. I really like that. It, it, such a simple effect of this little arch kind of coming out and strapping around her chest and, and legs. But yeah, yeah, that was really. I thought so too. They look really good. There's one thing about this serial that we haven't talked about yet, which you normally bring up cliffhangers. Oh. How do you yes. feel about them? Talk us through them. <laughs> <laughs> and talk us through your emotional journey <laughs> with oh, each one. Okay, okay Leon, I shall. <laughs> <laughs> well, episode one, we have the great poisoning of... I everyone. Of anything, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so everyone gets poisoned. Yep. And I found that one a bit weird because I genuinely thought they were killing off 
the king and his cohort that seemed like oh okay fuck and then the doctor doesn't react straight away and eventually succumbs to something so i didn't i didn't feel it as much of a cliffhanger as like oh okay maybe the doc's been knocked out everyone else is dead sort of thing so doc's been captured effectively and then the payoff from it is nope absolutely everyone's fine <laughs> but they've <laughs> they've taken the they've prince. Gone off the print yeah yeah that was a bit of a weird one i don't know it, but it didn't piss me off or anything it was just kind of like oh, okay well, okay i like that cliffhangers for you entail the same kind of emotional turmoil as countdowns do for drew <laughs> <laughs> we all have our, our ways to be <laughs> The episode two, though, uh-huh. that one, that that as well as knocking Romana for six, that knocked me for six because I I genuinely kind of hadn't I don't know got got into the the mindset where it's like anyone could be an android. At this point, I was like thinking, well, that's Romana or it's the princess, and one of one of the other has been okay. drunk, you know, because they weren't behaving in a normal human slash Taran like fashion. But there was obviously something amiss. But then, yeah, the fact that Doc smacks them on the head is like, okay, probably not one of those real people. <laughs> Interesting. I was, my note there is Doc Bludgeon's Romana in brackets, the android one assumes. And the reason I thought so turned out to be completely wrong. I assumed, I didn't write this down, but I assumed that it was because one of the words that she uttered was pronounced slightly weirdly, and this came just minutes after the prince androids, now the king androids, had elongated a vowel at some point. I can't remember what the word was, but there was something wrong with his speech chip. His voice, whatever, the machinery, you know what I mean. And I assumed that the doc had recognized this speech pattern in the Romana android and gone, oh, no, 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 my Romana says everything perfectly. If my Romana says something in that way, it's because the speech box is broken, i.e. this is an android. And then that is, however, never revealed. That's not the reason. Do we ever find out why he's so sure? There was some kind of, like, first sound or something like that i don't know oh yeah which i never went back and watched the end of episode two again like we have to see if it actually is there or you just have to take the doc's word for spotting something we don't i wonder if they're referring to the same word because there was a word that i felt she pronounced weirdly and maybe i didn't quite catch and i thought this was just her speaking weirdly but maybe they actually did add some sort of effect to it yeah the fact i mean in fact you noticed something i guess that that was their intention there's something there to notice yeah okay next cliffhanger so the next, well, and, and last cliffhanger of episode three, this is Grendel having thrown his spear through the android uh-huh. and escaped, oh, even though they were two right. steps. Yeah, yeah. And he escapes through the door where Romana is just standing. He somehow manages <laughs> to grab Romana, leap over a balcony with Romana, get on his horse with Romana. Yeah. <laughs> gallop up with he goes, literally Winston, moving. go really far in that direction. Winston, no depth perception. Doesn't know which way to head. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, Winston. Yeah, I, I honestly did not remember what this cliffhanger was, but my last note for part three is, this cliffhanger is so dumb, but who cares? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... So at the end of episode three, start of episode four, I think I was just rolling my eyes quite heavily. This is where I was just a bit, oh, it's a new plan, but it's the same plan. And Romana's been captured again. And oh, I feel like they could have ended this already if they wanted to. Someone forgot how to write the middle of this this serial, <laughs> and so they've had to <laughs> splice. Like, oh, fuck it, reset to part one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was a minor blip. Yeah. 
I have incredibly few notes for, for part three, but um, the last one being the cliffhanger being so dumb. But shortly before that, I think we get the scene where what's his face? What's her face? Lamia. Lamia. This is shortly after the conversation that she's had with Romana, where Romana goes, he's just using you. And she goes, yeah, but that's still better than than not. You know, that's better than not being with him and him not using me. Consequently, 50% of what I've written for part three is just, some people want to use you. Some people want to be used by you. Uh, Fuck it. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that was like pop singer version of that song. I mean. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have no fear that a copyright robot is going to pick that up as a Eurythmics copyright infringement. So it's all right. That was straight. It was so so on the nose. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, my only other notes for part three are as Doc closes the door to the pavilion behind him, there is clearly a BBC staffer moving canines ramp aside. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, in the beginning of part three, people realizing, oh, she's not Taron. I think they, they do a scan of Romana. And, yeah. and they go, oh, she's not Taron. It's like, yeah, everyone has been saying this. <laughs> They've even been referring to humans and you seemed okay with it, you know. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I, I I cut you off before. What were you going to say? I say that scene with Lamia. Before they go out to the gazebo, Lamia has, has completed the replica of Romana, which is actually a replica of the princess. Anyway, and <laughs> the Count is so, so impressed with it. And he's talking in the presence of Lamia and Romana herself, but talking to the android, saying that she's as beautiful as you, referring to Romana, and as deadly as the plague. If only she was real, then I'd marry her. okay grandal you're fucked up mate (laughs) you know what i get it i get it (laughs) there's a whole industry devoted to exactly that (laughs) like in the real world no time travel before we have invented as far as i'm aware we have not invented time travel before we have invented time travel we have invented and created an entire industry that caters to the exact same thing that you just referred to. And half the population just dies out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. You know what we do need to talk about? What? We had a, a bit in it earlier. It's that fencing scene. Oh, all right, take it away. My only note is thumbs down the whole <laughs> fencing scene. <laughs> just goes on for way too long that is a very long fencing scene it's not even good i would forgive it if it was good you know what i disagree okay i think it's really good for the first roughly two minutes and that is only because the doctor is terrible at fencing at first and we get over the course of two minutes we get to see the doctor go from i've never fenced before apparently to even though i'm sure we've seen him fence before to being better than the greatest swordsman in the land and that is really cool but then the second the doctor bests him and he gives him back his sword he kicks it back to grendel it's just like the fuck are you doing did you not write a script like just don't give him the sword talk that's what we want to hear we want to hear tom baker say fun shit and 
how I mean, how long do you think this fencing scene is? It's like it's somewhere between ten minutes and two years, I think. <laughs> it, well, it ends up being sort of used as a distraction, like, uh, but for both sides, because Doc is obviously keeping the count entertained, as it were. But the count's aide, who I don't think I even wrote down his name, is free to go off and kill the princess, as was their threat. Oh yeah, here's a so version Roman- of Zadik. Yeah, so Romana goes and chases him down, and that's that's all fine because Romana deals with it. I excuse me, that is but, not fine because that I hate that scene. Oh, with the smashing over the head with the pitcher, or yeah, the two Romanas yeah. besting the guard. Yeah, it's pretty terrible, especially as they linger on the opening shot of about to be hit by the pitcher too long. So the so the the, <laughs> the bad Zadek is stood there absolutely still with. Romana still kind of getting into place to, to whack him on the head. I mean, just, <laughs> Bad no, Zadik, like by the way, is off. the best nickname of this entire <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> Bad Zadik. So we've got Bad Zadik, we've got Bad Farah as well, who's Igor. Ah, uh, okay. I think I, that's I how it works. I think like both of them have two partners, two, you know, adjutants. Mm, well, it's two that must be. I think that fencing scene, which is a front-runner for longest fencing scene in the history of scenes involving fencing, would have made sense if there had been a punchline at the end of it, which there isn't. We just get to see him survive, like Grendel survives it, but there's neither a, I'll be back and I'll, you know, I'll have my revenge, nor is there a, for example, the Sasquatch attacking him or or something to that effect. There's, There's no punchline at the end of it. It's just him jumping into the water, swimming, cut to non sequitur. Well, the, the punchline they go with, which I don't think qualifies as a punchline, is the doc saying, you forgot your hat, and throwing his helmet down at them. Yeah, but he doesn't even hit him with the hat. Like, no, th- there's, exactly. there's nothing it's just, there. It's like you've just thrown that into the moat. It's sunk. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Think of the environment, doc. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how long it will take to decompose? Just because you're on freaking Tara doesn't mean that you don't recycle. <laughs> And then um, we get another weird bit. So this this is effectively the the wrapping up of it because obviously the count is now running for the hills. Yeah. All the good guys have stormed the castle. The king's there. He's been rescued. He has a smooch with the princess, who's totally not his sister. Then yeah, we get the uh, an actual kind of wrapping up couple of scenes, which we don't often get with with classics. It tends to be like, oh, by now we're off, and don't even always get back to the TARDIS and stuff. But Romana has a, enough of a scene to turn around and go, she's going to be sorry to leave Tara. Why? Oh yeah. Why is she? She's sorry been to a leave? prisoner this entire time. <laughs> Yeah. Her, her stay on this has not been pleasant. <laughs> That's such a good point. <laughs> she's been captured. She's been drugged. She's been manacled. She's been threatened multiple times. She's nearly been married off. Like I, I mean, yeah. What the <laughs> hell, Romana? <laughs> Even if she had said, "Yeah, but it's so like the weather's so nice. It's so clement." <laughs> then just you know what, Romana, shut up for a second and just. Pilot the TARDIS to a planet with the exact same climate, but no people. Already a better <laughs> deal. Because this is not that long after we've had a scene with her and the princess, where the princess is basically... Well, Romana is in awe at the princess's ability to weave tapestries. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it just found a weird footing with me. It's like, does Tara enjoy this because she's discovered tapestrying? <laughs> like, <laughs> 
or is but this it's, just it's a really feminine wiles? You know, it's exactly. Like, is this just a really <laughs> sexist view? I mean, <laughs> all a woman needs to be happy is just haberdashery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and a literal shining knight to sweep her <laughs> off her feet. Even if he turns out to be an absolute ass hat who's trying to kill everyone and nearly kills her. It's fine, you know. <laughs> that, that was weird. That's a weird ending. <laughs> but then at least, at least the actual final scene is a comedy moment with Kano in his boat. Oh, yeah. That must be the scene, by the way, where the, where the director's 14-year-old kid was in there. Ah, uh, that makes sense, yeah. Hang on, so we've mentioned the director. We haven't actually talked about the writer. Just a super-duper quick note about the writer. This was this was written by David Fisher, whom we have encountered before. He wrote the last one. He wrote The Stones of Blood. Mm-hmm. And after this, is going to have written two more. He's the writer of The Creature from the Pit and The Leisure Hive. Now... The Leisure Hive, I'm almost 100% sure that I've seen. Creature from the Pit, I don't think I've seen, but it is a legendary one because it's the one in which Tom Baker gives a blowjob to an alien. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, spoilers. (laughs) That's that's, uh, something to look forward to, I guess. I mean, I am. (laughs) JD mentioned it a million times and I've since then I've wanted to see it and I don't want to jump ahead I want to watch these in order so I still haven't I cannot wait I cannot wait <laughs> a very other quick shout out because I was I was just looking at the ca- the cast list again did not realize so you know if, if, if you're any kind of Star Wars fan you you will probably know that the there was originally a scene with Jabba the Hutt as a human oh yes yeah which they then re re-edited back in and effectively what is shown in that scene is is shown in other scenes anyway so they just cut it out originally no way is Jabba in this so the guy who played the human version of Jabba is the fucking eagle guy in this what yeah what (laughs) that is incredible yeah how mad is that (laughs) how aroused are you is surely that must be incredible Well, it makes, me, it makes me a bit sad, really. Like, like this character in this serial is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and his only scene in Star Wars originally got cut. Okay, oh. here's what I want. Here's what I want, Podcast Land. I know there's someone who's creative enough out there and who, especially now during the COVID-19 situation, has lots of time on their hands. Please recut one of the scenes of this episode in which we have the Eagle character, but put Jabba in there instead. <laughs> That's incredible. That is the best trivia. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, nice. Oh, I think we should rate this, dude. I think we're going to have to, aren't we? Fantastic. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Well, Leon stuck his finger on his nose, which means I go first. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think this one is a bit more straight cut than usual. I think what we've said so far about this episode is pretty much what I think about this episode. Like we haven't diverged you know, from each other that much. So I, I think there might be a bit of um, repetition between what we talked about. But, you know, we've, we've said there are nice locations. There's nice sets. There are interesting costumes. They've done well in production. I think we have to definitely give some plus points for that. There is some wonderful dialogue in this serial. We've brought out attention to a, a few things. There are even more that which uh, none of us have written down, I'm sure. The doc is on quite good form. I think pretty much the whole serial. I, I enjoyed 
Tom Baker's Doctor. I think the only issue with it would be the fencing scene. I actually I <laughs> go yeah. so far as to say I didn't even enjoy the first two minutes. I didn't quite like the way the Doctor was behaving at the start. I didn't think of it as this is someone who's mastering the art of fencing by fighting someone who's obviously good at it. This struck me as there, although the dialogue kind of backs up that thought that you had, Leon, it struck me more watching it that this was the Doctor being a master at fencing and then fucking around at the start <laughs> to throw his opponent <laughs> off. And then, like, he, he starts it, you know, having a comedy moment of mimicking the, the Count's stance facing away from him. Like, and, you know, I don't know. It was, it was just weird and obviously went on for too long. But anywho, there's, there are some tropes here, but I think there are some interesting twists on those tropes. So the whole two factions thing and that Romana's on one side and the Doc is on the other. We've seen that done before. The companion gets split up and they end up having to either work out some dispute or they end up like easing off the 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 brink of war or something. you know it's not an uncommon thing to happen but i i think the way it was set up with you know romana just blazing off to try and do the thing that they're there to do i get the key to time or the piece of the key to time i don't know it's just something about that setup just it, it's it's sat more nicely into it and it didn't feel quite as labored trope as, as sometimes it does do but on, on that vein i think there's there's still in my mind this is a, meant to be a big arcing story through this season that they are just going off like single-mindedly to find these pieces of the key to time and Brahmana has that wonderful moment at the start where she is just like no fuck you doc you know, we've got to do this like the white guardians told us to do this so i'm gonna go get it and doc wants the holiday but then the rest of the serial there there's multiple points when i'm watching this thinking okay now romana's free and the doctor's just helping out the other side you know well what point do they not both have a moment of well let's just get the key to time and fuck off <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point this isn't our fight this isn't you know anything to do with us it's not real like peril either there's no there's no one who's other than the, the prince who's you know in in danger of being bumped off like they don't know a society they don't know actually if there's a better ruler i think it's interesting it is pretty straight cut that the prince slash king is a good guy and the count is a bad guy but i don't know there's it, it, never enough of a kind of like oh no we should stay here because it's the right thing to do it's just uh going along with the plot which bothers me as these serials go out and then you've opened my eyes to the biggest plot hole you you leon i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> which i cannot forgive like that that has to take some some marks off and then there are you know lots of dangled threads which could be really interesting backstory or side story of the society with androids in it like we don't uh, we don't fully grasp what that is why it is all this kind of stuff but we do get some good use of canine there's some comedy moments with that there's some action moments with with canine which i enjoyed all of that so you know we've got we've got some balancing out of stuff with that and i think the only real negative i would leave left on my list would be someone really should have addressed the incest in the room <laughs> 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 watch uh, maybe it wasn't as obvious back then but i felt confused by it you felt confused by it we're left kind of going they just marry their brother and sister anyway would have been nice to make that super clear yeah all of that aside i enjoyed watching this 
Definitely. Like we've enjoyed talking about it and we haven't really ripped it apart. We've just, just poked a few holes in it here and there. So I'm giving this a high score. Not as high as I probably would like to because I think in as it's settled down, I think there are too many holes with it. So I'm just going with a nice 3.9. 3.9 from Jim. Okay. I'm a little tempted, to be honest, to change my rate. I have prepared a rating, but I'm a little tempted to change it a little bit, if I'm honest, to just take it down 0.1. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, it's, it's your rating, dude. You do what you want. Uh, well, okay, so I know exactly where to begin, to be honest with you, and that is Grendel. I think Grendel steals the show. Count Grendel, Knight of Gracht. He's like a less intellectual black adder, but no less entertaining. In place of witticisms, he has a, a battery of ill-fated plans and apparently a complicated sexual past with his mechanic. Love it. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the prince is fine. He's very charming. He's gr- he has great on-screen presence, yada yada, whatever. To be honest, there was a time when I thought that the only reason I really warmed to him was because he reminded me of Nicholas Courtney in the role of the brigadier. But he was good. He was fine. Farah, the two... Zadik's Jabba, they were all good in their own way, uh, I think, I suppose. I, I wasn't that offended by Jabba, not as offended as you were. And and your trivia about him, the, the thing that makes Igor Jabba actually just makes me appreciate him even more, to be honest. Uh, the Doc, Tom Baker, is mind-blowingly incredible to me in this one. Wow. <laughs> So much fun. So many witticisms, one-liners, clever escapes, and general dockisms. I could watch this guy all day long. In fact, you know what? Let's start a podcast where we track his adventures. I love him in this serial. He's so playful and up to no good, which I really enjoy about him. Romana, Romana, you know, okay, so compartmentalizing, Romana was just fine, but Mary Tam, she was exceptional. She plays four characters, two of which are a waste of her talents, and uh, while the other two are the best bits of her mirrored and interplaying. Very good stuff. The story in general makes (laughs) so little sense, but I love the intrigue. I love the swashbuckling and the adventure, the action, minus the elongated fencing scene. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I love the costumes, the pomp. This, this, take note, Time Lords, this is how you do a crowning ceremony. Uh, (laughs) I am rating this down because lots of it makes no sense and because there's a fair bit that is left by the wayside. I think you and I have actually touched upon a lot of justifiable retro rewrites for this one. And I'm rating this down, and then I'm promptly rating it back up again for the Sasquatch. And I will absolutely, I give you my word as a gentleman, I will re-watch this serial. And I am giving this, having now, since your mini rated it further down, point one, I am giving this 4.3. Nice. <laughs> Not quite 12.8. There we go. Replaced. <laughs> <laughs> justified, justified. I, I, no, I'm not going to change mine, but I, I could easily give this more. I think it was just, just too many little things that irk me. It, it's, it's when it's screaming, it could, it could be better. That's that I, super I fair. That is super is fair. That? Yeah. <laughs> Shall we have a listen to Podcast Land? Let's do that. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. So, how many minutes have we got? We've got six, I believe. Six and a tweet. Six and a tweet, you say? That's wow. right. Bing bong. Seven and a tweet, actually. Bing bong. Spoilers for later. For later? I didn't even know her. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we're spoiling all of you, dear listeners, with these magical treats about to come to your earballs. Uh, the first treat that we are reading out comes from Chris Dapps Paddock. What up, Chris Dapps? Hello, Chris Dapps. Chris Dapps starts. For me, this is when this season started to slip a bit. <gasps> oh. The serial feels like a community production of Romeo and Juliet mashed up with Star Wars and featuring a pantomime villain. <laughs> and overall, it's very, very reminiscent of children's live action adventure series at the time. I'm sorry, that all sounds positive to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. There's nothing horribly wrong about it, but there's very little substance behind it. I've watched this many times because it's part of the key to time season and can very definitely report that it gains nothing on re-watching, unlike Rebos Operation or Stones of Blood. I'm not going to throw any spoilers in, but I would say it's not the worst story of the season. <laughs> but it's by far the least memorable. Ooh. And he gives this a rating of what, Jim? 3.0, I guess. <laughs> Wow. Oh, if this is not the worst of the season, and bear in mind, we both really like this, Chris Tapps, that, holy moly, am I looking forward to the remainder of this. This is going to be great. Yeah. Are you in your mind thinking the worst of the season we're actually going to enjoy more? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Chris Tapps, thank you very much. Next up, we've got Joe Ford. What up, Joe? Hello there, Joe. Doc Oho himself, who starts off, Watching this story is like enjoying a glorious afternoon with friends blissed out on wine and basking in golden sunshine. I always finish it with a smile on my face. If you're in Doctor Who for space battles and unit adventures, then this might not be your glass of vino. But if you're willing to go on a fairy tale adventure in outer space, then this is just about the zenith of what Graham Williams tried to achieve with Doctor Who. It's unique in and of itself and deliberately small scale, highlighting atmosphere, gentle plot twists and memorable characters. It uses Romana better than any other story to feature Mary Tam and features the Doctor at the top of his game, swashbuckler, kingmaker and master of witty repartee. The episodes revel in escape, capture, escape, capture routine, trying to make them more and more elaborate and entertaining, and the plot is explained throughout most charismatically by the insanely lovable Grendel. It even has time for a five-minute sword fight <laughs> and a spot of fishing. We Doctor Who fans are a right fickle bunch. We claim we always want something new and interesting, and yet when it is delivered, we moan and groan about how what we are getting now isn't as good as how things used to be. Oh, too true. There are a selective bunch who object to Doctor Who pushing its boundaries too far, who like to claim that a show that features Marco Polo, the Daleks' master plan, the Ice Warriors, the Mind Robber, Inferno, Carnival of Monsters, the Sontaran Experiment, the Invisible Enemy, the Pirate Planet, Black Orchid, Enlightenment, Revelation of the Daleks, and Ghostlight has a formula. I think this might be why the Androids of Tara has only received a mild reception in the past. Recent years have shown some moderate praise in its direction, but on the whole, fandom seems to want to forget about it. Why? Because it dares to be different. There is no other Doctor Who story like this one, and for me, that is its ultimate strength. It encapsulates the show during a creative peak, trying out outrageous new ideas to see if they could fit into the show's scope. I wouldn't really try and pin a genre on this story. Is it a sci-fi story, a romance, an action piece, or a comedy? All of these and more, and with more than a twist of the Prisoner of Zendar. It's a touch literary, too. It dares to be uncynical and magical, and I really love it for that. And he gives it 4.5. Wow! Wowee! That is a brilliant rating. 
<laughs> on top of a brilliant the, mini. It is a brilliant mini. We have to point out here, though, Joe, I'm afraid, we have a criteria that minis are meant to be 250 words. We've let it pass this time. We may not be so kind next time. That's right, the yellow snippy, card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yellow card indeed. I think, the, I'm not the into spots. Snippy snips of review land might come your way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> People who are not Joe Ford, fret not there's still hope for you. You can go and follow Joe online. He's available as at DocOho44, and you should absolutely check out DocOho Reviews. Just give it a Google. You know how the internet works. Fantastic blog. Very good stuff. Lovely stuff. And lovely mini. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Next up, we've got Jim the Fish. (laughs) Jim. Jim. (laughs) Hello, Jim. Jim starts. The Androids of Tara is the fourth chapter in the key to time wasting storyline. <laughs> oh, <it's> wow. <laughs> I think it perfectly captures the feeling of balmy summer's evening on rewatch. Tom Baker has never been funnier as the Doctor, flat out deciding to take a break from the quest and go fishing. Mary Tam gets to play a double role. No, wait, a quadruple role in the form of Romana, looking like a gender-bent Willy Wonka, Princess Strella, (laughs) (laughs) and their android doubles. There's an unnecessarily long sword fight. Everyone's picking up on that. Canine gets stuck on a canoe, and hilarity ensues. Indeed. This story is also home to that rat monkey monster. (laughs) Clearly the best and most convincing Doctor Who villain ever conceived. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) And Jim the Fish gives us two memorable quotes. Firstly, from the Doctor. Do you mind not standing on my chest? My hat's on fire. (laughs) And secondly, hang on, let's let's do some role-playing. I'll be Farrah, you'll be the Doctor. Uh, What are you doing? Calling my dog. I don't see any dog. Well, of course not. He hasn't arrived yet. (laughs) (laughs) In conclusion, says Jim the Fish, what has made the season 16 story arc so satisfying today is the variety of the stories. Androids is Doctor Who at its most light-hearted, as different as possible from the sci-fi horror hybrid that was the previous tale, The Stones of Blood. Given that they share the same writer, David Fisher, it's a testament to his skill as one who can conjure up two enjoyable yarns that contrast so much, but both remain true to the basic hallmarks of a Doctor Who adventure. Mm, interesting stuff. And Jim concludes this with his rating, which is 3.6 out of 5. 3.6? Oh, you know what? With that last, with that conclusion, I almost thought that it was going to be higher. Alas, not. But it's still a good, yeah, good very number good. there, Jim. Yeah, very good number. Very good mini. Thank you so much, Jim. The fish. Thank you, Jim. Next up, we're jumping into Twitter land. Don't make this a habit, podcast land, by the way. <laughs> Because it's very possible that we'll miss these. Really, really sorry if we have in the past. But this one is a quick tweet from Stephen B. of the New To Who podcast. Stephen says, A gorgeous, lyrical, Shakespearean comedy of mistaken identities and claims to the throne of a faraway idyllic land. And, like all summary Shakespearean comedies, containing the first shades of autumnal grey through the fate of Larnia and Grendel's Malvolio-esque last threat. Nice. Beautifully encapsulated in a tweet, this this serial. Thank you very much, Stephen. And I think this is an opportunity to give not just a shout out to Stephen. Stephen B. At Steed Stylin. That's styling without a G. But also to the New To Who podcast itself. At New To Who podcast. And also, please look it up on iTunes. You know, wherever you find podcasts. The New To Who podcast is 
awesome and currently is running a i'm assuming they'll still be doing this when we drop this episode if not just scroll back through their twitter feed but they're currently going through a championship of which cereal is the best to introduce a newbie to a classic who in general they're pitting like one against each other you can vote on them it's it's fantastic it's a really really good idea so thank you very much for that new to podcast and thanks steven awesome thank you yeah who have got next up next up we have got michael ridgeway Ridgeway. Ridgeway. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, Michael. My goodness, you're so big. <laughs> Michael starts with some likes. Many likes, in fact. The first like being laugh out loud silliness throughout Grendel's flag of truce. <laughs> Secret of a doctor behind a flimsy curtain. Killing the Reinhardt android and ridiculous escape. The useless Romana fembot being physically maneuvered around the gazebo by Madame Lamia. And K9 massacring a bunch of Grendel soldiers in one zap. Yep. Happy <laughs> in tears. <laughs> Next like, liar, the doctor is on fire with one-liners, having a jolly old time. Oh, I think that's a reference to when he's being shot at, he pokes his head back out. Yes, (laughs) so good. (laughs) Next like being, uh, but there's also genuine tension. The wine-poisoning cliffhanger and the race to get the android to the coronation was darn tense. (laughs) And Madame Lamia's death was brutal. Cheeky switch and bait opening with the discovery of the key segment straight off. Mm. A fantastic mustache twirling baddie. Mm. More Grendel, please. Oh, yes. And last like, steampunky, low-tech medieval living, but with um, high-tech tech? Reminds me of the knights with laser guns in awesome Seventh, Seventh Doctor <laughs> story Battlefield. <laughs> but there are, of course, some boobs. Why has Reynard only got two men, and Grendel has seemingly unlimited men? That's a very good point. Reynard gets a few more to storm of the castle, but it's not a lot to sustain your kingdom with. Second and last, the midnight gazebo trap. Were Grendel and his soldiers just planning on hanging around the gazebo until midnight? This is a good point. That's a super good point, because everyone shows up mega early for this. Yeah. <laughs> It's the, the worst party ever. The host just going, what are you doing here? I'm still, mixing the... I'm still mixing the dip. <laughs> and Michael gives this a summary of a very silly, very entertaining adventure with a good sword fight to boot. Oh, a good sword fight, you say, Michael. Oh, okay. interesting. Okay. And a rating of 4.3 out of 5 Romana doppelgangers being clobbered, blown up, making tapestries, tending to dying princes, being forced into marriage, or otherwise hanging out in jail cells. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. A very good rating, Michael. Marvellous stuff. Please, Podcast Land, go online, head on over to Twitter, and tell Michael exactly how good his rating was. He can be found at bad... Underscore. Movie... Underscore. Club. No more underscores. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have got 
Paul Waring. What up, Paul? Hello. Paul starts. The Androids of Tara is unusual in the Key to Time season, as it is the only story where the segment is located and picked up at the beginning, rather than towards the end. In fact, after Romana is captured, the segment becomes irrelevant, as the Doctor has to focus on rescuing her, and the segment is collected almost as an afterthought. The guest cast is particularly good. Cyril Shapps is brilliant in his last appearance in Doctor Who, and Peter Jeffrey excels as the slimy, scheming, and all-around baddie Count Grendel. I think Neville Jason also does a good job of both versions of the prince. You can tell by his slightly stilted delivery when he is playing the android. The regulars are all on form as well, and Romana gets a much bigger part than in some other stories. The only odd thing I noticed is that Count Grendel seems to have vastly more resources than Prince Reinhardt. Ah, there we go. This is not an uncommon theme, including a castle and a whole army of guards. It's not clear why there is such an imbalance of power, given that a prince usually outranks a count. Yeah. And in this case, it is next in line for the throne. <laughs> Bloody throne. That's me adding that in there. <laughs> Overall, says Paul, this is my favorite story in the Key to Time season, and not just because it has four characters played by Mary Tam, though that does help. And he gives this a rating of... 4.5 out of 5. Wowzers. Uh, wowzers in my trousers. Paul, <laughs> fantastic stuff. Oh, I'm loving this. This is, we started off with a, was it a 3.0? I think so, yeah. It wasn't, yeah. And we also had Jim the Fish with a 3.6. Like, there was a time when I felt like, oh, crap, I gave this way too high a rating. But you know what? It's a pretty straight up 50-50 split across podcast lands. And also between the two of us in terms of how to rate this. I like it. Podcast land. If you happen to not be Paul Waring, fret not, you can follow Paul Waring on Twitter. I believe Paul Waring can be found at what, Jim? P. Waring. That's P. Waring. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Thanks very much, Paul. Next up, we've got Ed. Hello, Ed. Such a nice chap. Hello, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Ed gives us a, a nice little intro, just saying, hope that you and yours are all keeping well and safe in these turbulent times. Likewise, Ed. Back to you, Ed. Yeah. And everyone out there listening today. But of course. Or tomorrow. Or yesterday. Whenever you feel like that. It's fine. <laughs> Even post-coronavirus. Well, exactly. Ed begins with his review proper. Android's Atara is the high point in this key to time season. Ooh. Peter Jeffries is fantastic as Grendel. Tom Baker and Mary Tam are great. And it's lovely to see that behind Baker's facade of foolishness, he can still be competent when he puts his mind to it. Ed continues, while some might be quick to dismiss it as light and throwaway, I'd argue that the story's simplicity is part of its charm. The less said about the wood beast, the better though. Indeed. <laughs> or the more said. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yet another item on my potential future cosplay list. <laughs> Ed doesn't provide a numerical rating for this, but he does conclude with a very hearty pip-pip. We can only echo it right back at you, Ed. Pip-pip to you, sir. People of Podcast Land, if you happen to not be Ed, you can definitely say hello to Ed. Ask him online. Yeah, seriously. Ask Ed online how, numerically, he would rate this serial. Ed can be found at Ed Such. That's Ed with two what's, Jim? D's. Double D's, that's right. And you should definitely check out Ed's blog as well. That's the Doctor Who Impossible blog. Good stuff. Very good stuff. DW Impossible blog. Bing bong, future Leon here. We have one more listener mini. This one came in after the recording, hence 
me. <laughs> this one comes from Phil Salter. Hello, Phil. Phil says, what the hell is this? A story about a faux medieval society with weird amounts of future technology, but they insist on a feudal society. Of course. An absolute joy of a story. Really good world-building stuff, perhaps minus the Taran Woodbeast. Several unrelated points follow. What are the chances of two people who look exactly the same, I mean the same to the point where people who know them very well are confused, turning up together? It's an annoying plot device that's been used before and will be used again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> looking forward to it. Next point, whoever thought of Archimandrite as a title deserves an award. It's such a good word to say. Plus, that hat is something else. Yes, here's my friend who agrees with me. <laughs> I want that hat. Next point. The Tauren Woodbeast is joyously crap, there because every story must have a monster, clearly a guy in a costume menacing Romana. That ending with K9 stuck in the boat is such a hammy ending, there's so much ham on display. <laughs> I love the coronation scene, the doctor trying to help the android along is great. And final point, a joyous tale, I love every minute of it and Phil gives this a rating of 4.5. Nice one, fantastic rating. Good set of points. I like it. Very good, Phil. Uh, Phil has also included, um, as per usual, a little Twitter... I mean, I hesitate to call this a shout-out <laughs> to himself. He says, Twitter, Ah, oh, look, I doubt that's really necessary. You see, I'd really love to help you out, but I'm frightfully busy, and uh, where is this Twitter? Well, make of that what you will, podcast land. Thanks, Phil. Let's get back to the show. Bing bong. Thank you, everyone who wrote in awesome minis. You're amazing. I'm raising a beaker to all of you right now. Thank you. I've run out of juice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll raise an empath. <laughs> so that pretty much concludes our Androids of Tara Soiree. I have had a lovely time, Jim. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Next in the New Who channel, New Who, we will have In the Forest of the Night. That's right. Yep. Uh, after which, we're back in classic country with the power of Kroll. Which is that one with the big wow. creature. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. The vodka, holy moly, and the moonshine. Bing bong, allegedly. Bing bong. At some point, we will also be having a an audiobook review, namely Deimos and the Resurrection of Mars. Bing bong. That's next week's episode, in fact. We've already recorded it. It's not bad. You should listen to it. All right. Bing bong. And in bonus territory, who knows? You know what? Just stay tuned. We'll we'll figure something out. I do feel, actually, I should, in case any one of our lovely Who Back When correspondents are listening, I feel like I owe all of you an apology still, because I still haven't up updated the blog on the website. But uh, maybe by the time whoever you are in podcast land listening to this are listening to this, I will have. So do check it out. In the meantime, you can say hello to uh, Jim and me on Twitter. Jim, you are? I'm at Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the... where now? No, not not where. <laughs> you can say hi to me as well. Please high-five me at Ponkin. I will high-five you right back. Why on earth is it Ponkin? <laughs> Who knows? And you know what I thought about earlier today? Sooner or later, I'm going to change that to something else, and there'll be 300-plus episodes that point people at a Twitter feed that won't exist. So that's great. <laughs> I really thought this one through. But you know what, Podcast Land? I love you all. You've been a marvellous audience. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you're all staying safe during this very strange time. Rock on and cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?